Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Fernando. I'm Randy. And this is the Dealing with Life Stuff podcast. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear it at all, but we're in a new room recording. Fernando has officially bought a house with Brienne and we're recording in his new office. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited. Hopefully it's not too echoey just yet. Or Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about, know, are we'll you going to put like sound panels on the walls or have you thought about Essentially, that? Essentially, yeah. Okay. So that art that we were talking about, yeah. I'm thinking about trying to make those like art panels. Oh. So instead, it's like a double double use. That'd be fun. Yeah. So. I like that. But, but again, those things are start adding up money. And so <laughs> you start yeah. thinking about expenses on a monthly basis. You're like, well, shit, how yeah. much money do I got to spend? Yeah. See, that's why living a Spartan life has its perks. It definitely does. I mean, yeah. we've been living below our means for the last couple of years, so mm-hmm. you know, we were we were pretty fortunate to be able to have disposable income to save towards this house, mm-hmm. and then we made some you know some decisions to uh, to pursue this. But yeah, man, like once you start trying to add furniture and everything, it adds up quick. So yeah, my, you get to swallow your pride and and just live live the way you're living for a couple of months. Yep, yeah, my. Um my professor in college in real estate always said you need to budget a couple extra grand for your for, uh, pocket money for when you move in because you're yeah. going to have shit pop up. <laughs> and that was one also a decision that we made was, you know, during the buying process. I mean, we made 10 offers mm-hmm. to different houses and we lost them all Yep. until this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that process, we kind of came to the realization that we kind of had the idea of wanting to be in an established neighborhood, an older home. Mm-hmm. But with that, came more expenses mm-hmm. and more expenses that are unforeseen so you know this particular house may have some expenses that come up but it only being a one-year-old house mm-hmm. um there shouldn't be that many you know um surprises yeah and hopefully you have some warranties that you inherited. yeah we still have yeah. some warranties from the house when it was first built so all of those things can come into effect and a little bit less uh pocket money mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess we're expecting but it gives us a chance to um to p- fill up those pockets yeah Nice. Until something breaks. Right, right. Yeah. But no, I think you guys got a, a really great house. Uh, like, this is a very nice starter home. Yeah. No, so. we're really excited. Definitely uh, a big opportunity. I guess not opportunity, but big milestone for my yeah. family. Yeah. Not just like uh, the marriage, but just in family in general. So we're really excited. Yeah. I'm excited for y'all. Appreciate it. Uh, have more podcasts here and a little bit more parties and yeah. Once this whole COVID thing is officially over, which I feel like it's starting to yeah, go we'll, that way. we'll host some wrestling matches. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Dude, we'll get the ring outside. We'll go hire some folks. We'll get some some luchadors. It'll be super fun. We do have a fan, so they can jump off of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Backyard wrestling. Yeah. Um, Tell me a better housewarming party idea. You can't. I don't think I can. <laughs> Did you ever watch Project X? I'm aware of it. I don't think I've ever watched it though. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy, a crazy movie. Definitely yeah. intended for high school audience, but yeah, that was uh, early college for me. <laughs> nice. So what's what's going on, man? I know you've been reading a bunch, and you feel, feel like you're behind. Yeah, yeah. I'm only at like I don't know, 17 or 18 books right now, but I'm giving myself some uh, grace in that I'm not reading as many uh, easy books anymore. Yeah. Like I've read three books over a thousand pages this year so far. I'm, uh, I just finished a biography on King Philip II and Alexander the Great by Adrian Goldsworthy, which I highly recommend. And I'm reading a biography on Mao Zedong right now, which is horrifying. <laughs> and I'm reading some Plato and Xenophon, which gotcha. has been awesome. Uh, I, I was of the, the type of person growing up you hear the names plato and aristotle and socrates and it's almost intimidating because everyone speaks so highly of that and especially we go through an education system that doesn't put a lot of emphasis on the enthusiasm that reading should have so i was always a little intimidated by these greek authors but now that i've actually started reading plato i'm like oh that's literally the opposite of what these guys are these guys really spent their lives trying to understand difficult concepts simply like aristotle came up with a definition for truth using only one word syllables wow. <laughs> like these guys just really laid the foundations for western culture you know you say intimidating but when i remember hearing a plato and aristotle in high school for the first time mm. all i thought it was boring ah yeah because yeah, i mean again our education system isn't in place to teaches about these things mm-hmm. and when you talk about psychology and sociology and philosophy mm-hmm. like these are just things that again they go back to boring 
right? Mm. And the older you get, the more you realize that you really need these things in your life. You need yeah. virtue, you need values, you need I think you to need, have some sort of fundamental, yeah. like, uh, you know, North Arrow. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Like, that that should be the foundation of your life, not just learning your fucking times tables. Like, right. you should understand what you what it means to be a good person above all else yeah. and that you can't compromise on those principles. Yeah. And it's sad because, I mean... Depending on the circle, circles, and the circles of people that you influence yourself with, mm-hmm. you'll notice this more and more, or less and less. But the average person doesn't have the opportunity to one have the time. They can make the time, but they just don't have the time to read these things. Mm-hmm. They don't know the outlets to go to. They don't know how to or where to even start looking for these type of things. Mm-hmm. And so you have conversations with people who just have been built and have a life. That is, um, their foundation is social media. It's pop culture, and it's, it's these things that they have no, they have no strong foundation as to where their life wants to go. Yeah. Um, and you try to introduce them to them, and unfortunately, the first thing that they listen to, or the first thing that they think, is it's boring, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make me cool. That doesn't make me money. It doesn't do these things. Well, yeah, it doesn't hit your dopamine receptors yeah. the same way. It doesn't give you that instant high because it requires effort. And the first thing that I think of is a delayed gratification. Yeah. Like because these things may not make you money off the bat. Mm-hmm. These things may not give you that dopamine rush off the bat. Mm-hmm. But if you emphasize you know reading these things and, and add them to your life eventually after a few weeks after a few months like this is going to make you money this is going to make you build stronger relationships build stronger bonds yeah and some people don't see it that way it'll help you to find meaning and like that that is my the primary axiom that i find for existence is prioritize meaning over pleasure and like that is the core of the book that i'm writing <laughs> And, and how to live a good life because uh, you know in reading the apollo the, the trial and death of socrates he makes a point that uh life isn't just how to live we need to figure out how to live a good life like it doesn't matter <laughs> anybody can live but and even nietzsche says and dmx quoted this is uh to live is to suffer uh to survive is to find meaning in the suffering and I really like that idea. And, and how do you, you know, me, it, what that means is your life is going to have suffering regardless, but it's up to you to choose to find meaning in it. Yeah. The first time I ever heard something similar to that was Greg Plitt. Um, yeah. He was a military background, um, in the fitness world, motivational speaker type deal. He passed away a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I remember him saying, you need to learn how to dance in the rain. Mm-hmm. or smile in the rain yeah and that's kind of what it is i mean whenever there's things going wrong like you have to find meaning in all of these things and i think if, if you don't like life is going to be a shitty a, sh- a shitty life to live <laughs> and, yep. and if you don't have meaning like you don't know why you're going through certain things then you just give up it's like what's the point yeah but so, when you're going through it and you know what you're going after you're like this is why this is why this is why yep well and i think that's a good encapsulation of a book i recommend to everyone is victor frankl's man's search for meaning yeah yeah i mean that that book is something else man it's a remarkable piece of yeah piece but i of think literature. it's it's a good introductory book for people who want to you know learn about suffering mm-hmm. and learn about life through suffering yeah and meaning it's, through suffering it's, exactly and yeah. it's, it's not that i mean it's pretty gruesome but it's not as bad as some other books like you're talking about yeah. that really show you how evil people can be in this world. Yeah, if you really want to understand uh, the atrocities some people are capable of, I'll throw some things the out there for you. Like Gulag Archipelago, I've talked about before. Look up Unit 741 or 7... I think it's 741 or 714 during World War II. That'll show, that'll show you some real horror <laughs> out oh. there. I don't recommend it uh, reading it when you're in a bad place. Well, watch uh, Viver Vendetta towards the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were, we were talking off air. I was asking you, what's your workflow for books? Yeah. And I'm just curious, you know, you, you read X number of books a year and you're at 18, five months into the, uh, into the year. Yeah. You know, how do you break these down? How much time are you reading? Or how are you taking notes? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I, um, I haven't taken notes on books in a while and we've talked about this in the previous episode because I am of the opinion that it's better for me at least to read a book, close it and then try to remember and summarize what I just read because it reinforces my memory of the book. Uh, and that just works better for me. I'm sure, you know, the note taking can work better for like, I, I know it works better for you and I'm like, cool, everyone yeah. can do what works for them, but it's finding out what works for you. Yeah. So, 
my schedule these days is I'm, I'm up by four and I'll journal and kind of just get mentally composed for the day while my pre-workout kicks in. I'll go to the gym, uh, do some weightlifting, some cardio, get back, get ready for work, head into the office, into the office by 7.30, I'll try to knock out some of the hardest stuff for my day early on before everyone else gets in, and then I'll read for a little bit. So like, that's the first time I'm reading. And I also do Audible on my way to and from work or whenever I'm driving. Um, I'll read a little bit of a, a, a physical book at work, and then I'll uh, I have two physical books I always bring with me to the office, depending on what I want to read. And then I'll come home and, uh, read before bed or read a little bit after work. And I'm working to develop a better habit of reading more often right when I get home rather than waiting a little bit and screwing around. <laughs> did you ever just dedicate your time to just one book at a time? I did when I was in sixth grade. Okay. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I can't. It's too boring if I do it that way. So you don't, you rather, like if you have six hours in a week to read, you you rather do one hour of six books rather than six hours of one book and knock it out? As a general rule, yes. Okay. But if there's a really good book that I'm into, I will power through that. Yeah. Like the so last... I mean, these thousand dollars, these thousand dollars, these <laughs> thousand page uh, books, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine finish those. I mean, unless you're a really, really fast reader. Yeah. Well, which I don't think you are, right? I, I am a really fast reader. Um, Like I... And it, again, it depends on the book. So I read Atlas Shrugged again this year, and I finished that again in less than 10 days. So like I'm at, I average over 100 pages a day on that book. Wow. <laughs> and then like War and Peace by Tolstoy, another 1,000-page book. That motherfucker took me like a month and a half or two months to read because yeah. it just took me a long time to really get into the flow of his style. But I really enjoyed it, and I, I'd recommend, recommend it to everybody. But I'll say I didn't really get into it until halfway through the damn book. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew it was such an important piece of literature. Um and on top, but you've also stopped reading books, right? Uh, rarely. Rarely. Okay. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I, usually don't. You usually pick books that you want to read. Yeah. And so it's it's less often the times where you pick up a book and like this is not what I want, what I thought it was going to be. Mm, yeah, and I I'm pretty stubborn too, so I'm like I'm already into like the last book I stopped reading that I'll probably try to finish at some point is Zorba the Greek because I got I got it recommended by Tim Ferriss and that to me it was a little too um on the nose about what it was trying to explain gotcha and i was just kind of felt like it was too surface level for me gotcha. but it's a fun book I, I'd, I'd recommend i think a lot of people would enjoy it um but now it's yeah it just depends on the book on how quickly i'll get through it like the last book i read that i couldn't put down was chaos by tom o'neill which is about charles vance and the cia and the secret history of the 60s awesome mm. book just so much fun to read it's called chaos yeah if you really want to understand uh, some of the background influence of the 60s, go check out that book. If you really want to understand how uh, corrupt <laughs> some of our society is, that's a fun book to read. Gotcha. Plus, it's interesting because it's about Charles Manson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've started to do... Um, well, I guess before I go into my side, um, when you used to take notes on your books, mm -hmm. what was your style of taking notes? I would, like, would you just highlight stuff, underline things, or yeah, pretty make much. little margin notes? Yeah, the, I, I guess I should say I do take some notes now. Whenever I find a quote that hits me really hard, I'll write it down. I have a quote list on my phone that I'll indicate. So like, let me, I, I know I wrote one down from the Apology of Socrates, I think, that I really liked. Let me, just for the sake of sharing, uh, let me pull this up real quick. This one says, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this, one, this one struck me really hard. So some of you may or may not know, but there are a lot of parallels between the lives of Socrates and Jesus. Um, and Socrates and Plato wrote this line in lines 28 of Apology. The envy and detraction of the world, which has been the death of many good men and will probably be the death of many more. There is no danger to me being the last of them. Because Socrates was basically canceled <laughs> for telling the truth. And then you watch Jesus Christ be crucified for being a good person, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. But those are those are the kinds of notes I take. Okay. Yeah. And what are they for you? I mean, to me, it's something similar. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll read a book and uh, I'll just highlight things that pop up to me mm -hmm. or that, you know, jump out. Or I'll highlight things and then... Oftentimes, what I'll do is I won't do this 
all, in every single book, but some books I'll highlight something and then I'll write down what that means. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be like, crap, I really want to use this for a presentation or I really want to use this with an expert person. And so I think, um, by doing that, I don't have to go back and, and, you know, reference it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do. Um, but just the fact that I wrote it down helps me remember it a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I think you had to ask me and Brianne a few weeks ago, how do you guys remember stuff? Oh yeah. How do you think? How yeah. Do you think? I remember and deeming so for that me, on it's, it's pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So the act of me writing creates a photo or a picture in my head mm-hmm. and I'm able to remember that particular thing. Yeah. Um, same thing with like numbers. I don't know how, but like I'm able to remember certain numbers, um, because of the, I don't know. To me, it's like a picture that I'm writing down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. remembering with text and just like words, it, it doesn't work for me. Mm. Yeah, I I think in video form. So like everything is kind of a video for me, and then I uh, I feel music, which is yeah, kind same. of yeah. So like I can, but I'm good at math too. So I also think of music. I feel music, and I think of music in numbers. Yeah. So I think in flowcharts. Mm. Okay, what do you mean by that? Like, for me, like I, the only way I can remember certain things is this happens first, and this, and this. And so I'm trying to picture, even the way I talk, right? I'm trying to picture the, the flow of something happening. So when I describe like a process to someone, mm-hmm. in my head as I'm remembering it, I remember this, and then there's an arrow that goes to the next thing, and an arrow that goes to the next thing, and there's two arrows that go somewhere else. And then from there, I start to explain things. Mm. Some people just lose me because they're thinking of it as a, like a timeline. Mm. And so they're thinking, you know, lateral or they're thinking like linearly. linearly. Yeah. And so they lose me. But to me, it's like, how does it not make sense? It's, it's all in a flow chart here. Yeah. Like, you just follow the picture. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's the way I think. Yeah, that makes sense. What's one thing that's I've really gained an appreciation for by studying the Socratics is thinking more clearly because they're very adamant about no, you need to figure out what you're trying to achieve with your thoughts and then ask the right questions to get there and then be able to define it clearly. Yeah. And that's very important because you're able to move the emotional element out of it mm-hmm. and you're able to think clearly and, and just logically and move in the right direction. Yep. But it's tough, right? Because we can't just pretend or, or lie to ourselves and say that you know people don't have emotions. Mm-hmm. I think when we're talking about facts and figures, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But there also has to be an element of how do we incorporate people's opinions and people's feelings mm-hmm. of how the decision that we're about to make impacts a particular person. Right. Because like, you know, when we when we compare, I guess, me and Brianne, mm-hmm. like Brianne is a, is a feeler. And yeah. I'm a logical person. Mm-hmm. Um, not that she's not logical and I'm not a feeler, but that is like our, our way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll be too logical. And she'll be like, you're just going to just completely dismiss what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's just your feelings are not relevant right now because we're talking about something very specific. Right. It's, it seems, maybe I don't say that. I don't want to make sure people think that I'm an asshole. Yeah. No, it, it seems like there are really two paths to understanding. There's yeah. the feel first and then think later. Mm-hmm. And then there's the think first and feel later. Yep. And I, I am a strong advocate for think first and feel later because it's like, okay, if we don't know what the hell is going on first how can we know how to feel about it? Right. Cause it's like, yes, we do have these instinctual emotions that we will immediately have in reaction to a scenario, but we have to ask ourselves, is this warranted? Yeah. And we have to understand the information first before we can know whether our emotion, emotional reaction is valid or invalid. And that's hard for people to understand that sometimes your emotions are wrong. And just because it's, it comes but from, are a, they though? And that's hard part because this is where we get into it. Um, I often say like, <clears throat> that's not valid, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't make sense. Yep. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to facts and figures, mm-hmm. but the person still has their feelings. Yeah. I'll give you a great example of this. When I found my mom dead, I felt grief, right? It would, it would not make sense for me to feel grief now in the sense of I've, I'm very grateful for going through that experience because it's like, Hey, yes, I could still be in that stage of grief. And yeah, there are times I miss my mom, but I'm ultimately grateful for having gone through that experience. And to look for me to look back on that, not with grief, but with gratitude has mm-hmm. been life-changing. I don't disagree, I don't disagree with that yeah. at all, but that's the individual. Mm-hmm. And so your 
the decision that you made was for your benefit yes. to make you a better person as you moved on with your life. Yes. But it was after I thought about exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more about the the example where it's between you and me mm-hmm. and I feel a certain way. And you're yeah. like, Fernando, why are you thinking this way? Or why are you feeling this way? Mm-hmm. It's not warranted. It's not valid. I'm like, I understand that what everything says logically, Randy, but this is still how I feel. Right. And so that's, that's why I'm a big fan of rhetoric too, because you have to diffuse it bombastic emotions before you can have a rational discussion and the easiest way to do that is to empathize with somebody and to see where they're feeling and then that just by helping them label the emotion it'll decrease the intensity of that emotion so being empathetic first is important right but i think it all not but and Mm -hmm. i also think that a lot of that comes from just your fundamental values Mm -hmm. because a certain person will value something over something else yeah and then the rational thinking or rhetoric or whatever I'm feeling, mm-hmm. it's going to be very complete. It's going to be very different compared to what, how you think and feel. Right. Because I'm going to value this arbitrary mug more because my grandma gave this to my mom. My mom gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And to use like, bro, it's just a cup. Like it breaks, it breaks. It's like a, you don't understand. Yeah. Like there's just so much more meaning to this. Like I, I lost everything that I have from them mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense to me. And so, I know that maybe it's not the right example that I'm trying to bring, but I always go back to like all these debates. Mm-hmm. I always think of it from a perspective of politics yes. because of the decisions that are being made. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's better just to not get involved and if we could just let people live their own lives yes. and come together and like do their own thing, like that would be more, I guess, uh, beneficial to everyone. Mm-hmm. But in the context of a relationship mm-hmm. and we're talking about certain um, perspectives about how life should be lived and we have different opinions of it this particular example with the cup like it, it you hit a you hit a stopping point mm-hmm. where i can't be with i can't be friends with randy who doesn't understand that this cup has so much meaning to me mm-hmm. and he's gonna just minimize the fact that that cup could mean something to me right and it's like a you, you can't get past this mm-hmm. but i want to get past this and like that's what i'm getting at is mm-hmm. when you these books that we talk about philosophy and just logical thinking mm-hmm. sometimes get them, gets us in trouble because we're able to have, we were not able to have irrational thoughts about how a cup can mean something so much to someone else. Mm-hmm. Cause in my head, I'm like, it's just a cup. Yeah. Like you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, it becomes one of the things I don't like about modern trends is this idea of not being judgmental if you're not judgmental, that means you have no ideals and you have nothing that you base the world upon. Yeah. Like for you having that, like, because I know you well, I know that having that familial tie is extraordinarily important. So for you, you place the judgment on this cup of having a higher value than someone like me would conceive of it because I don't necessarily have the perspective that you do. And that's ultimately my, it's both of our jobs to, relay that to one another so we can understand each other. Maybe not we'll, like I'll never, I'll have respect for that cup, but I'll never have that opinion that you do, right. but I can still like appreciate it for what it is, even though if it was destroyed, you would feel much worse than and, I would. And I think if we can have this type of dialogue in every area of the world, mm-hmm. like we would be able to make more, so much more progress. Yeah. But instead we just like, get so caught up on the idea like, you know what, I'm going to minimize who Fernando is because mm-hmm. he had that association to that cup. Right. I don't respect him anymore. So I'm just going to just walk away or I'm going to belittle him and judge him in the negative context mm-hmm. to make him feel like he has no purpose or no reason to be in this conversation because mm-hmm. he would lower himself to value a cup that much. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes people take it to the complete opposites or the extremes mm-hmm. and there's no beneficial conversation being had because it's more of a, I'm going to attack your values and you attack mine mm-hmm. rather than let's talk about the issue at hand from the lenses of our own values. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and hopefully most people have similar values and I think we do to a large degree, but we forget that and it loses it. We lose track of that when we become emotionally compromised. Yeah. And for me, like I know people are going to disagree with me on this and that's okay. I've thought about this and I stand firmly by it to me, allowing your emotions to take control is immoral because it leads you to potentially act in a way that you will regret later and can cause harm to others. And that's why I'm very conscientious about how I emotionally respond to things. And it's not something I've gotten easily. Like I used to go to anger management as a kid and it's something I've worked for my whole life, but I'm very 
I'm, I'm very appreciative of the emotional resilience I've developed just by practicing it. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if you just say that statement for everything there is in the world, mm-hmm. like some people can get offended by it. Yes. But I know where you're coming from. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't disagree because <laughs> I mean, I have the same conversations with people. It's like, let's think about this. I, mm-hmm. I know you're like, you're rattled up. Mm-hmm. I know you're rattled up. Um, and we need to fix this. But let's think about this logically mm-hmm. and let's take that, that same fire that's within you and let's take the right steps so that you can get which, what's yours. Yeah. Because if you just act irrational and go and get just do your, whatever commotion you want to do, mm-hmm. it's not going to be constructive to the person that you want to become in the future. Right. Because you're, you're acting out of emotion. Mm-hmm. Now, you can be filled and driven by emotion, mm-hmm. but when you act on emotion... Like, I think like that's where you get in trouble. Yes. And to me, some people might say it's the same thing, but it's, it's not right. At least I don't think it is right. Well, like you can have compassion for people, but if you are blindly driven by compassion, you're, you can make mistakes and do more harm than good. But if you think through like, Hey, like for me, like when we talk about minimum wage the last time, I want the most people to be successful and from what I can tell, the data seems to indicate that having a higher minimum wage does not do that and actually has harmful effects. So to me, it makes sense to not have it at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll let people check out that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go, that, go look at the episode, episode and tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, there are two things that came to mind when you were talking about, um, well, as we were talking, one of them was the, a quote that came out of the book I read yesterday, the uh, power of awareness. It's the life that you live is based on the assumptions that you make mm-hmm. on everything. Mm-hmm. Like no matter whatever you, you come exposed to, you're going to make an assumption of it yep. or them or whatever. And so that is going to be, that's going to make the reality of your life. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're able to, to back up and think clearly, like we're talking about and really define these fundamental core values of whether that be stoic philosophy, whether that be some type of philosophy, and mm-hmm. you're able to have those virtues, you're able to think of a logical perspective and think clearly. And so you'll start to make the right assumptions. Yep. Because when you start making all these negative assumptions about life, you'll start to realize that life is bleak and it's not what you want to be part of. Yep. Um, but when you're able to have these clear definitions and the right assumptions, life somehow seems to get better for you. Yes. Uh, people seem to become nicer. Mm-hmm. People seem to, you know, be more in your favor and all these different things. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't paint life in a negative um, color. Right. I, so I, I, you know, I went through that phase of nihilism that every teenager probably goes through and it doesn't make your life better. And it wasn't until I started practicing gratitude every day and uh, really being honest of, is this philosophy true or is this philosophy me trying to rationalize a pathology? And that's a big, a big differentiator in how you're going to live a good life, in my opinion, in the sense of you look at the Foucaults of the world and they are trying to rationalize people striving for power, but people also tend to forget he was a pedophile. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you have this guy trying to rationalize doing evil things. That is also an evil person. Why the hell would I listen to this guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And same thing with Karl Marx too. Like Marx was an absolute monster. Same with Mao and Stalin and Lenin. And it goes, the list goes on and on. And it's important to, for me at least, having been on both sides of the coin, it's important to side yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I had a cat attack. Um, uh, it, for me, it's important to align yourself with those who genuinely want the best for people, not to rationalize the negative aspects of their reality. It's like, Hey, we acknowledge that life can suck, but there's a lot of meaning in the suck. As I was saying that the first thing that came to mind was the victim mentality. mentality. Yes. What was me? What was me? (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thought that I had was um, sometimes people start to define life based on outliers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not the case, right? Yes, correct. Because what was it? What was the reason for, for that thought? Um, I think it was just evil people or people being irrational or people just not seeing you the right way. Mm-hmm. 
and sometimes like that's not the norm mm-hmm. um what you see on social media what you see on tv what you what you read about like these are outliers yep. and so you have to be able to under you know differentiate it too and say is this how a small group of people are or mm-hmm. is this how the world is yeah is think, this is this reality or is this propaganda yeah and i don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast yet or if it was offline but you know the 80 20 rule mm-hmm. like 20% of the people are actually, you know, bad people, but they're getting 80% of the attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you when you see that small group of people get so much attention, like, what is it I'm trying to say? Like, the, the bad people, the people who we don't want to model are mm-hmm. the loudest. Mm-hmm. And when you get those loud people really getting most of the attention, you start to think, like, wow, the whole world is fucked. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily the case because the majority of people, 80% of the people are good people. Yeah. Um, but, but again, it, it, it just, uh, I don't know. Well, and to that point, it can be really demoralizing to only be seeing those shitty people in the yeah. world. And it can be like, wow, this world really does suck, which is why I'm a big advocate for studying people like Marcus Aurelius, who yeah. the damn emperor of Rome was very conscientious of his actions and focused on being a good person. Like to me, that speaks volumes about what a human being is capable of. That this guy had ultimate power and he chose to be just with it. But it's tough, right? I mean, yeah. Everybody these days, um, I just I see these YouTube videos of people shitting on on Doctor uh, Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. about how could you say that if we all just do our bed, the world's gonna be a better place. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. If everybody makes their bed, a world will be a better place. Yeah. Well, how is that gonna fix all these big problems? I'm like, if everybody does their bed. And what he's trying to say is if everybody takes care of their own shit at home yeah. and brings quality people when they walk out of that bedroom with yep. a made bed, we're going to have quality people in this world. Right. Well, and to, to look at it from another angle, do you want the people trying to save the world to be the same people who are incapable of making their bed? Yeah. Fuck no. <laughs> and to me, it's, it's, what's that's, uh, what are the two differences? It's figurative speak and, uh, figurative and literal uh, yeah literal uh-huh. so it's <laughs> it's uh he's literally saying make your bed yeah but he's figuratively also saying make your bed right it's a truism across multiple levels of analysis yeah and i that's to me what makes things most true when it is a when it is an axiom that transcends the tech the literal definition yeah well because some people they'll they'll listen to that or they'll read that and they'll literally think he's just saying, if everybody makes their bed, the world is fixed. Right. I love that those often are the people that say they're open-minded, yet they don't even want to consider the position he's taking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like those are the type of things that, you know, sometimes throw me off. I'm like, ah, come on, people. Like, it'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, like I was talking about this with uh, Travis and my buddy Nick who came over. Um, I was like, man, I'm really trying to incorporate even better habits but I'm at a point now where every little adjustment takes so goddamn much energy. Yep. It's like, is it even worth it? And I have to remind myself that because I can see myself as a per- better person, better version of myself than I am now, then yes, it is worth it. What's the law of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. And, and here it makes sense. Yeah. It's well, it's like, like uh, you know, all the different uh, bodybuilders and fitness, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to say influencers, but people in the fitness world, like it's, it's hard for a 300 pound person to lose weight. Yeah. But the actions that they have to take and the habits are going to lead. Like if the fitness influencer who's like very jacked mm-hmm. has single digit um, body mass mm-hmm. does exactly what the 300 pound person does. Yeah. They're never going to lose any weight. They might even gain weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the 300 pound person's going to lose weight. But to your point, like once you get to the single digit fitness level, um, you have to do three or four times the amount of work mm-hmm. that a 300 pound person does right. to be able to get a fraction <laughs> of, of the progress yep. that you can make in your body. Cause your body is just so much, so optimized already. Yeah. And I, like, I'm like, okay, well I have my nutrition down. I've tracked my nutrition for seven years. I have my exercise and weightlifting down. I've done that for seven years. I've got re- good reading habits there. That's what I want to make better. I work a lot. I'm very conscientious with my work ethic. I maintain good relationships with my friends. I'm like, well, what else can I give up? Like I, my time is like my, I want my leisure time. So how do I, how do I make that productive leisure time? And for me, the answer is, all right, you can still like screw around and watch a YouTube video here and there, but your focus and your first habit needs to be reading more because I, I was journaling on Friday night 
really kind of trying to plot out what I'm aiming towards. And we had talked about before, like you make the judgment call of what you want out of life. And I'm like, all right, what do I really want? And what does the timetable look like? And what do I have to do to get there? And I'm, and it boiled down to me of like, oh shit, I have to read like 200 books in the next two years to be the person I want to be by the time I'm 29 and 30. Like, okay, well that's the books I want to read are not (laughs) easy books. So how do I find the time to do that? Well, all right, you're going to have to give up some of your leisure time if you want to accomplish this goal in this amount of time. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess if I, if this is what I really want, these are the things I have to do to get there. And these are the habits I have to cultivate. Yeah. And then having the willingness to do it, which that's the hard part. Yeah. And also part of it is just getting the reps, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you're trying to um, exponentially expose yourself to more reps mm-hmm. because I mean, you're 27 years old. You're about to be, yeah, right? about, about to be 27. Yeah. About to be 27. And uh, by the time you're 30, that's three years away. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, that being the case, like there's going to be a lot of reps for you to get to from 27 to 30. Yeah. I remember when I was 27 and I was just, you know, I felt like the same way like you. Um, and then like you just, you realize that the more life you live, the more experience you get mm-hmm. and the more reps you get, the more you're like, crap, I maybe should have applied a different principle here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this relationship here could have been a lot better if I would have just done these things instead. Yeah. And so part of it um, is how to you, I feel like, Fernando lived three years of his life, but how do I live six years in the three years that he lived? Yes. And like, to me, like that's the life that you're after, right? Yes. And so you want to be 35 by the time you're 30 mm-hmm. and you, 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 you see what I'm trying to say. And so yeah. I think to the audience, like as they're living their lives, I mean, I think it's important to expose yourself mm-hmm. um, to more reps because I think so many of us just think we'll have more time. I can dick around and watch Netflix or I can do YouTube or I can do this and I can do that. Yep. And, and you're trying to kind of fake in reps because mm-hmm. you're, you know, exposing yourself to, to, um, to life, but you have to just be out there and, and, and live it. Yeah. And so you, you saw my shirt, but I have, I'm wearing a shirt right now that has a candle with a smiley face as the wax that's being melted. And it says time is running out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a very big belief like, Hey, yeah, you know what? I might die tomorrow. I might die 10 years from now, but if I don't, but I might live 40 years from, I might die 40 years from now. And what am I going to do if I well, wasted that 40 years? You, you see these case studies, mm-hmm. like people live a more fruitful life when they're, well, maybe not these exactly, but bear with me here, people. Like some people will live a more fruitful life when they're told, Hey, you have two years to live. Mm-hmm. No, they'll cram in as much life as possible in two years rather than someone saying, Hey, you got 70 years to live. Mm-hmm. I got time. Right. And then you're towards the end, like, shit, I should have done all these different things. Right. Like, I want to be, I like, I don't want to be in my coffin and be like, well, you know, he looks peaceful. Like, like God damn, he rode He's that son of a bitch hard. Damn, he is done. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to, that's what I want people to say. <laughs> yeah, there was a book that I read. Um, it's called the Die on E. Okay. Die on Empty. Uh-huh. And so, like, that's that's the whole point, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you don't want to die the richest. You don't want to die the one with the most energy. Like, mm-hmm. you want to live your life. Yeah. Um. Granted, we're not saying, you know, start doing coke and... Right, yeah. I'm not encouraging <laughs> you to go to life. Miami and, and yeah. live the, the party life, but uh, just be cognizant of like, hey, you are probably wasting some of your time. And yeah. the uh, the best way that I have found to build an appreciation for how, and respect for how much time you're wasting is to quantify it over a year. Yeah. So it's like, all right, how much time do you, I think the average person watches four hours of TV a day. So four times seven is 28 hours times 56 is what is that? A thousand. Uh, I'm going to do the math. I can't right. do that right now. <laughs> 28 times 56 is 1,568 hours. Let's say you're worth divide that by uh, 24. Real quick. Well, no, that was four hours a day is what I was saying. So oh, four sorry, hours a yeah, day yeah. times, uh, yeah. So 28 hours a week times yeah, 52 yeah. weeks. So you're wasting 1,568. Oh yeah. You're thinking of days now. So that's 74 and a half days a year. Yeah. So that's that over two months that you waste. Yeah. That's that, what I was getting at. Yeah. That's a lot of time. And if you want to do it further, like if you're worth a hundred bucks an hour, you're wasting uh, over a hundred grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're like in your time should in theory be worth at least a hundred bucks an hour yeah. if you're competent and you should be, especially if you're the type of person that listens to us yammer all day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a lot of time to waste and that sucks. Like I'm not against watching TV or watching YouTube, but it's in moderation. Yeah. Like we have to, 
if you do it too often, you lose the value and appreciation. But at the same time, I will, I will push back a little bit. Yeah. It also depends on the life they want to live. Yes. Because me and my brother were talking about this a few days ago and you know, he's in the mindset of like, I want to live my life Mm -hmm. and I don't want a career. I don't want to like love my job. I just want to have a job Mm -hmm. that pays well, lets me do my thing. And that, that's to me, that's success. And that's a, that's a happy life. Yeah. If you're doing what you want and it brings your life meaning, then Godspeed, right. more power and to you. Watching 72 days of those, the TV is happy to you. Mm-hmm. Then go and do it. Yeah. But I think the idea or the reason I push people to think this way, I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm guessing it's the same thing for you. I'm not going to speak for you, but is if you want more out of life, then these are the areas of, of your, the areas of your life where you can make things better. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to want more out of life, and you're complaining that you don't have time or that you don't do these different things, wasting 72 days out of the year watching TV is not going to make you a better person. Right. And it's not that, you know, the world is broken. It's not that people are to get you. It's not that all these different things, maybe there's a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. but those are not the main reasons why you're not successful. It's because you're not willing to eat even more shit to get out of, out of the hole that you're in. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the hardest part when you talk to people it's because some people have not been able to build the right type of grit. Mm-hmm. They haven't gone through enough shit or they've been through too much and they're just completely giving up on life. Yeah, they're jaded. And yeah. they're jaded. And like you ask them, like, you got to put a little bit more. It's like, Fernando, I don't have more to give. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but you do. You just got to do a little bit more so you can, again, delay gratification in mm-hmm. a couple of months, a couple of years, you can get out of this. But they just don't see. They don't, they don't see that. Right. Um, we were talking off air about imagination, mm-hmm. right? Without imagination, you can't live the life that you want to become mm-hmm. because you can't even imagine it. You have to, th- you have to think from the end and then work backwards, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going nowhere. Yep. And, and I think, um, when, when you work 15 hour shift and it's a, you know, mediocre job and like, you just have to work. Mm-hmm. It's not even a, it's not even a career or anything. Yep. Um, doing two more hours of work, it's hard, mm-hmm. and, and I don't disagree with that. Yep. But if you want to get out of it, like you know, you were given a shit sandwich, and, and no one's here to save you. Mm-hmm. And the only way for you to get out of it is is do a little bit more. But if you're content and you're happy in it, and you're just like it is what it is, then by all means, like just find a little bit of meaning in your life and live that life. Yeah. But if you want to get out, like it's not going to be easy. Yeah. So I want to, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in the show, but one of my favorite books is Relentless by Tim Grover, who is yeah. Michael Jackson's, Michael Jackson, Jordan. Michael Jordan's trainer. Thank you. D- totally different Michael. Yeah. Um, but he makes a point that is in line with what Carl Jung talks about, about incorporating the shadow. But uh, if you want to go where you've never gone, you have to do things you've never done yeah. and you have to embrace that you have a dark side. And that to me is something most people don't want to talk about. And we've talked about, touched on evil a little bit, but if you aren't aware of your own capacity to do evil, then you'll never be able to do good. Because if you can't contrast the two, then what the hell do you know? (laughs) And even uh, Socrates has a really funny point about that when he's talking about the opinions of the masses. And he's like, you know, he's about to be executed and Credo's trying to bust him out of jail. And uh, Credo's like, well, but what about their opinions? And like, shouldn't we care about their opinions? And Socrates makes a, basically makes a point that said, well, I wish they were capable of the greatest evil because then that would mean they're, they would be capable of the greatest good and what a fine thing that would be. But most people can neither be made more wise or more foolish and everything they do is the circumstance of chance. <laughs> so if you don't even know what you're doing, then everything you do is going to be the result of chance. This is luck. Yep. So be cognizant of what you do. Think. Oh. And know that you're capable of evil and know that you're capable of good too. Yeah. I know we go into these little rants on these podcasts and I hope, you know, people are still listening. They're, they're taking value out of this. Yeah. Um, maybe they already checked out and we're just talking to ourselves, but nonetheless, I, I think it's, if you are still listening, you know, these rants are, are not to just keep preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we urge you guys. I mean, if you're a quality person and you're listening to this, go and make more quality people. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's not your main focus in life, but as you have your interactions with individuals, mm-hmm. like talk about these things. Well, you, yeah. You know, the whole phrase of leave a place better than you found it yeah. will leave people better than you found them. A hundred percent. And I, I think we're not, I mean, we're not saying we are, um, the epitome of what everyone. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm no, by no means a role model yeah. in a lot of respects, 
but I've at least learned a thing or two and that I can pass along yeah. and hopefully of it being of utility. So, yeah, I guess what I was trying to get at in addition to that was don't go in a condescending way. Hey, I know better. Let me teach you to be better. Yeah. It's more of a, as you have these interactions with individuals. Right. Know that you know nothing. Right. And like, so like I've decided firmly and I'm committing to it here on the show of the tattoo that I'm going to get, cause I've kind of played around with it, but I've decided I'm going to get a tattoo of Socrates and his thinker pose, but outlined in a fool tarot card okay. to, re- to remember to be the fool. I like that. Yeah. Because that was Socrates's archetype is he knew that he knew nothing. Yeah. And, and that you just, you have such an open and an empty vessel mm-hmm. to fill it up with good stuff yeah. when you think, you, when you know you know nothing. Right. And but to, when you're and, just so full, whether right. that be full of shit or full of knowledge, yeah. like you can't fill it up with anything. It's right. overspilling. And every time you are taking in things with an open mind, you have to challenge the things you're taking in. Like, do I agree with this? Does this make sense? Yeah. Does this line up with my morals? Am I being a proper judge of this? Yeah. And the only reason I'm making this point is because we were talking about this off air. I've been listening to some podcasts that I don't agree with at all. Mm-hmm. And they have really big followings. Yeah. And it kills me to know that these are influencers teaching other men to be shitty men. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not a world I want to live in. Right. And right. so part of this channel is to make better people and to make better, you know, um, just better people, right. Mm-hmm. To go and make this world a better place. Yeah. And so it doesn't come from a place of, of high morality of, Hey, I'm better than everybody else. I don't know if that's the right way of using that that phrase. Um, but it's not, I'm not holier than thou. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's more about like, how do I share what I've learned to be good? Mm-hmm. Well, how do I share what I know to, to work and to make quality people? And I'd, I would hate to know that our listeners somehow take what we say and say, well, they told me or I listened to this and now I'm going to come in a condescending way to show you how it's supposed to be. Right. And that's not what we're saying at all. No. Uh, and I, I just want to make sure, because it's implied, mm-hmm. but these days, you know, people take a snippet of what you said. Oh, yeah. And they just like, do they go and act on it? Yeah. Like, look, that's not what I meant, bro. Right. I look forward to us being canceled at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would mean that someone's listening. Yeah, right? true, true. And that would mean that someone cares. And that would mean that someone is is going willing enough to go up to bat because they believe in their own fun, fundamental virtues mm-hmm. that we are wrong. Yeah, and that that's been something I've really feel like I've made a lot of uh progress in as a person is understanding my position so well that I can defend it and ask the right questions to make sure it is defended. Yeah. Like I it's really hard to challenge your core axioms, but it's very rewarding to know that you stand by them like for a good reason. Cuz it's actually a good thing not to get canceled. But to have people who don't agree with you. Yeah. And ideally, it would be people who are high caliber people who mm-hmm. are disagreeing with you because they actually have a real reason to disagree with you. Yeah. Because ideally, that makes you a better person. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you're able to pivot a little bit of your information and just recalibrate your own self yeah. and the way you're thinking to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't get you know cal- recalibrated every couple of months or years or whatever... Like you just kept going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And by the time you know it, you're full of shit and you have nothing to show to the world other than you think you're better than everybody else. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's important that we challenge ourselves, challenge yeah. each other. Right. And to tie it back to something you earlier, you said earlier about pivoting. If, if you're not recalibrating, you don't even know when to pivot or, yeah. or what to pivot towards. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think, you know, we were talking about this off air as well. One of my phrases in my, you know, uh, in my speeches that I give is fail and pivot if needed. Yeah, fail forward. Fail forward, right? Because so many people fail and they're like, okay, well, I'm done with this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying like, well, let me fail. Let me learn from this. Do Recalibrate. And then should I keep going or should I repivot? Mm-hmm. And so many people just repivot every direction after right. they fail. It's like, I said it if needed. Mm-hmm. And so many times it's not needed. Just right. keep moving forward and calibrate and move. Yep. And I don't know, it's just, it's tough because, um, well, it's not tough. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And you just, people need to find enough or get, get the reps in to be able to build this type of thinking that we're trying to push people to have. Mm -hmm. Because when you've only been exposed to certain things and you see the world in a pop culture type of way, like you, your brain doesn't have the capacity. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is condescending, but your brain doesn't have the capacity to do these type of 
um, exercises. Mm. It's the same way if you were to ask a, uh, a an NBA player to go and do archery or <laughs> the average person. Nonetheless, what I'm saying is someone who's trained their whole life to do something and then make them do something else. Like they're not trained for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing for this. This may seem trivial. This may seem like, oh, that's easy. I can just do that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the reps in your brain, in your heart, in your soul, like you can't become a person of quality. Of quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rant over. <laughs> no, it was a good one. It was a good one. It, it's tough. It, it To be a person of quality should not be an easy task. That's what no. makes a person of quality a person of quality. Because yeah. I can... I know I said rant over, but I've talked to people and like, Fernando, you, you make it sound so simple. I'm like, but it is. It, you it's, just have to get the reps. You get to where I'm at now. Yeah. So sim- you can go from there. Simple to understand, difficult to execute. Yeah. But that's, again, that's the point. Yeah. Because I mean, the stuff that we're talking about is not hard. No. It's just, it takes work. Yes. And um, again, I'm going to keep saying it. You have to get the reps because if, mm-hmm. if you don't have those reps in, like, how are you ever going to feel... Or prepare yourself for this. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Ayn Rand in The Fountainhead is, the greatness of exhaustion is its own relief. And I find that to be very true. Every time I've worked myself so hard that I'm exhausted. Man I've, in the arena, right? Huh? The man in the arena. Yeah. Well, like I had, I was probably the most exhausted I've ever been Friday. I think I told you, but like I started hallucinating because I <laughs> was so tired. I fell, I sat in my chair at 5 p.m. and I started fell asleep with my eyes open and thought I heard like a shootout because my roommate was playing Call of Duty downstairs. But I was like, you know what? I'm glad that I have the capacity to work to this point of exhaustion because now it's like, there's no question that I've earned a little break this weekend. And so I go into this weekend knowing I have work to do Monday, but not feeling guilty that it's undone right now because I've, I know I've given it my all. Yeah. I think that's a good topic to talk about in the next podcast is Knowing when you deserve a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good because I'm still shit at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I give myself too many breaks this fast here. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks everyone for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate you all listening to us. We ask that you continue to engage with us on social media. I know we've been a little bit MIA on Instagram and, and other platforms, but hopefully this remainder of this year, we'll pick it, pick that back up. Um, if you're interested in being part of our team and you're interested in being helping us out and, and growing this, let us know. Uh, definitely reach out to us. Yeah, look, we're both social media stupid, so we could... I don't really, know about that. I'm social media there stupid. You Thank you. Yeah, I put the royal we in there. <laughs> no, but uh, we could definitely use some help. So if y'all are interested, this would be a fun yeah. uh, fun way to... Engage with us friend. and just, yeah. Yeah, make a new friend. Make a new friend for sure. Um, and we also ask you guys to share the podcast with your friends and uh, family. And uh, if you guys are interested in talking to us, you know, jumping on the air and being part of an episode, definitely reach out to us and we'd be, we'd be excited to explore that, op- that uh, opportunity. Yeah, that'd be fun. Cool. We all take care and uh, talk to you on next one. See y'all.